And welcome to the Master Mike Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Rose. And this podcast is where I interview podcasters, content creators, comedians, and a little bit of everybody from all around the country so you can find your next favorite show. So with me today is Paulette Arado from the Maker Muse Podcast. Paulette, how are you doing? I'm all right, Michael. How are you? I am doing good. So I got it. I got the intro in on my first try. I'm very you proud did. of myself. Congratulations. I, I, that's a that's the second time I've ever done that. I always screw it up, but uh, thank you for joining me today. I, I'm very happy to have you here. I, I've been loving your podcast. No, I've listened thanks. to the first five episodes of it. So, my first question is, you know, what made you want to start your podcast? That is a very long story. Do you want the five minute version or the fifteen minute version? <laughs> hey, it's up to you. This is your hour. Um, so I used to be a blogger. And I wasn't blogging for money. I didn't really know how to blog for money. I just I, I just wanted to like put content out. And I have a background in photography and I've done crafts my entire life, but never felt like I was a crafter. So anyway, I fell into this like gang of bloggers who would like monetize their blogs, right? So I started learning some stuff and I thought that's the direction I was going. I was going to start a new blog. I was going to teach people how to find their power creatively. And then I, like blogging is one thing, but I really love to talk. Like, yeah. I'm a super hyper extrovert. And the last two years have been so hard because I don't get to talk as much to anyone except my husband. And I'm sure he's really tired of like me droning <laughs> on and on and on and not letting him talk. <laughs> so um, the idea for the Maker Muse podcast came one day when I was talking to a friend and she said that she had just started um, – in an online chorus because again you couldn't go outside yet right and so she she was really enjoying the singing and i was like oh that is so great i you know where can i hear you she goes oh i'm not very good and i was like well what the hell does that have to do with anything and this whole idea that you can't call yourself an artist and i've interviewed plenty of women who were like oh i'm not an artist just be, i'm just skilled at what i do and i'm like what do you think an artist is so I had this like, I just decided it was now my life's mission to eradicate the idea that creativity is something that is held by other people. And I want to eradicate the words, I am not creative from our language, from all languages, because I speak two of them, one of them better than the other. And <laughs> so um, one day I realized that my married name is Erato, and that is a muse. And I was like, I could take my making abilities and my muse name and just make them one thing, and we can just talk to people and tell people that, you know, teach people how to, how, how to do this, like how to get those ideas out of your head. And so the podcast was born. So I have this background in blogging, and everything that you can do with blogging, you can do with podcasting. So here we are. I love that. That was that was not that long of a story. First of all, that was I feel like that was a very appropriately appropriately timed. Um, I do have to say I love the name of your podcast. It's very it's very catchy. You know, we we talked like two weeks ago about having you on here, and I never once forgot the name of your podcast. It just really oh. stood out to me. 
uh, the whole time. So I just got to say that it's a very, very good name. Um, I might not. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I very much enjoyed it. And I kind of, I kind of asked those questions out of order. I should have, I should have had you tell everyone like, what's your podcast like about? So the Maker Views podcast is my, you know, I always get this wrong and it changes ever so slightly or massively every time I tell it. So let me try to get it right this time. The Maker Muse podcast is an inspirational podcast. That is the whole point of being the Maker Muse, which is my website. That's like the the persona I'm I've styled myself as. I want to inspire you to be your most creative self because I believe that we can all find confidence, our own internal resource of confidence through our creativity. And everybody is creative. Everyone is a maker. And so while the podcast itself is, you know, 3% in Spanish, so or 0.3% in, <laughs> in Spanish, I say it's in Spanglish. It's Spanglish. It's for child-free women. And But, you know, all of these lessons apply to everyone. And the current series I'm in the middle of and will end season one with is about the life lessons that we can get from weightlifting. So, you know, I don't know a lot of weightlifters who are women, much less Latina women, much less women who are having kids. So it's very niche, but again, they're universal lessons. So anybody can listen to them. You just told me that you listened to it and you seem to enjoy it. And you're not any of those things, are you? (laughs) I am I am a childless woman, uh, no. So, <laughs> but um, I do. I, yeah, I will say. You know, the first episode you talk about um, controlling your emotions. You know, I did listen to one through five. I didn't. I, I felt like your podcast wasn't the one to listen to the latest episode of without listening to the other one. So I've not oh, listened yeah. to it yet. They definitely build on each other. So good job. Yes, and I immediately after starting uh, episode two, you started talking about episode one. I was like, "All right, I did the right thing by listening to that one first. But no, you talked about um, controlling your emotions in episode one. So, like your example, one of the examples you gave, and I'm going to butcher it. You said it much better than I'm going to say it. But um, you know, if you wake up and it's raining outside, you then associate that you 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 just it's an external factor that's going to make you have a quote unquote unbad like bad day. And then later in the morning, you spill your coffee on you. And you're just like, of course, I spilled my coffee on me. It's already a bad day. And you just were like, no, you don't have to do that. That's that's external. You are making your own problems out of external factors. Mm-hmm. I needed that. It's Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did Monday. need that Monday morning. So, well, it's Thursday for all of you. So hopefully you guys are having a great Thursday or Monday. You could be listening on Monday. I don't know. But anyway, whatever day of the week. Um, but no, it really... You know, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not um, I'm not a woman or a um, a woman a childless woman. I couldn't say it um, or Latin or anything like that or Latin American. But that that transcends cultures, race, anything. That that's just solid advice. Mm-hmm. And you talk in another episode about um, I think it was the third one, maybe the fourth one, about like your hype song. And yeah, just- I love that technique, the hype song technique. Yeah, like just getting and anyone you said you weightlift. I, you mentioned it and you just you mentioned it here and you just mentioned it on your show as well. But you weightlift. That's like your happy place, right? Mm-hmm. And music. You yeah, really that, did do your research, man. This is impressive. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, hey, I'm not gonna have you on. I'm, like I said, I'm not gonna have you on. I'm just like, how long is your typical episode? That is one of my questions. <laughs> but that is one of the gem- generic questions. The answer to that's 15. You don't have to answer that. Thank but, you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I just I. I just have to say how much I 
have enjoyed it so far because it it it's not your demographic might be uh latin american women but your content is for everybody and that's that's rare to find in podcast and what you know you, you had your blog and you you transitioned into this but what inspired you to like want to help people as much as you are it was really that conversation with my friend um where she was just like, I'm not an artist, I'm not creative. And in doing research for when I was trying to pivot my blog into something that, you know, could make money, I interviewed a lot of women about their artistic talents and whether or not they felt they had any. And that just yeah. kept coming up. That was the theme, imposter syndrome and all this other crap. And I was like, what is going on here? And how am I not experiencing that anymore either? What happened for me? So I had to go back and trace like, where where did I where was I able to let go of all that crap, and uh, how can I help other people? And that just it was like, well, I ha I have to help other people, um, and it, you know, podcasting is such a great platform for it because you get both you get two things, and I don't know if I've said this in an episode explicitly, but not all people learn by reading. A lot of people learn by hearing. And again, so if we're going to teach people anything, podcasting is wonderful. Video is also wonderful because, you know, like that's why YouTube is so popular. A lot of people are visual learners, but not everybody watches. Everybody listens though. So, um, so that's where I, that's where I was coming from. I just, I have this, such a deep desire to, help people let go of the bullshit stories that they tell themselves, that they believe about themselves. And I don't know if you got that to that episode because it's number six. It's called Lies We Tell About Ourselves. We all have stories and things that we say about ourselves automatically. Like, ask me if I like fish, dude. Do you like fish? I hate fish. Is not true. <laughs> And yet it is so easy for me to say, like, I love sushi. <laughs> We're going to sushi tomorrow night for my birthday. Although I guess when you guys hear happy this, birthday. it'll be two weeks past. Thank you. Everyone and tell her happy birthday. <laughs> Leave Thanks. it in your five-star review. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> um, I love I love certain kinds of fish. There is a very specific type of fish I hate. And yet I have felt that way so strongly since I was a kid that it is hard for me to let go of that story. But that's all it is. It's just a story. It doesn't define me. I am not a woman that is suddenly going to like start wearing a t-shirt that says, I hate fish. Like it's not part of my personality. And yet it is a, a, something about myself that I find so hard to give up. Even as I'm telling you this, and you know, I'm, I'm going to be 44, so by the time everyone's hearing this, I'm 44 years old and have believed for most of my life that I hate fish, and I know that isn't true, and yet I still am working, and it's always a work in progress. I'm still working on letting go of that and making room for, you know, who I really am, and I think that we're all, you know, human beings are at their best when they're learning something new. I and agree with that. Thank you. And in order to keep learning, you have to keep an open mind, which means you will probably change your mind on a couple of things that you feel very strongly about or have felt very strongly about. So I felt very strongly about fish <laughs> at one point in my life. And now I feel a little bit differently, but it's still it's still difficult to let go. I understand so, that. Yeah. I do have two follow-up questions for that. One of them is kind of silly. I really want to know what the fish is. Salmon. That 
Sa- baked oh, salmon no. in particular. I hate baked salmon. It's so disgusting. All right, podcast <laughs> and, over. And and my nephews uh, will be like, Titi. See, I'm half Puerto Rican and Puerto Ricans, instead of saying tia, they say titi. They're like, Titi, I, you know, I make this great salmon. I put it in butter. I'm like, anything in butter is fantastic. Salmon is still gross. <laughs> We're going to have to agree and disagree on that one. Um, no, but <laughs> I do. So the way you speak about the things you speak on, I uh, speak about in your podcast, it seems like you've spent a lot of time studying it, prof- like studying it at like a university level or in like in a profession. Is that something you do in your day to day life? Or is that something that you've just dedicated being the master of in your personal life? Uh, a little bit of both. I actually, um, <laughs> so no, I haven't done it professionally till now, I guess. Um, you could have I, fooled me. I thought you already you. had a career in it. I was a meeting planner for most of my adult life and finally, finally just let that certification lapse after not working in the industry for since 2018 was my last contract. Um, nice. Yeah. I, yeah. So <laughs> I've made the decision that I no longer had to have that as a fallback option. I have been studying neurolinguistic programming for several years, and I'm going towards a certification in that. Yes. And that is where all of this comes from. That's amazing. I, I, I'm serious. Like I thought, okay, she is a professional. Like, and <laughs> So this this episode does come out in May. This is Mental uh, Health Awareness Month and everything. Mm-hmm. I've listened to other podcasts that have um, psychiatrists, psychologists, stuff like that on there talking about struggles that people have in their day-to-day lives. And I've never really gotten past the first, maybe second episode because it's – they – I don't want to say dumb it down because that's really not what they do. You know, they talk – they try to talk to you, talk to their audience like they – or people. And it feels like sometimes they just can't separate their professional life into communicating to just the a general population of people. And I had no issue while listening to your show to be like, oh, okay, like I understand everything you're saying. Nothing you're saying is too much for me to grasp, understand, whatever else. And I that that there's not a question there. That was just a compliment. <laughs> well, so, thank you. And I think maybe that's because yeah. I don't do this professionally. Like I'm not I'm not seeing clients for an NLP practice. Um, you know, I, so I don't get locked into jargon, but if I was doing a meeting planning podcast, I would use terms like BEO and slip rates and attrition and all the stuff that I'm sure a non hospitality industry and person would be like, what is that? You truly have, I mean, it's very clear that you do an abundance of research before you click record and I can tell you I've appreciated that in listening to it. And I want you to know about five minutes into the first episode, I texted a link to, to your show to my wife. I was like, you need to check this out. <laughs> awesome. You're going to like this show a lot. Um, so seriously, that's that's amazing. So you talked about blogging. Uh, that was the other follow-up question. I just kind of sidetracked off of it. Okay. You talked about blogging. Do you still do that or how long were you blogging for? Oh, I had many iterations of blogs, many, many iterations of blogs. So I think there, uh, I even had a food blog for a while. Um in my early 30s and there's a very there was a very vibrant food blogger scene here in Los Angeles bef- um, you know before things before like the pioneer woman blew up and all these people were getting tv shows it was we didn't know what seo was we didn't know what metadata was it, i don't even know if that really existed i don't know i'm internet dumb but they 
it was just a group of people who really enjoyed cooking. Some people were better at taking pictures than others. And that community uh, was was a lot of fun to be a part of, but trying to be consistent, like to cook and to take pictures and all this, there's a reason that profession that people do it professionally. And I just didn't have that in me. And I, like I said, I have a background in photography. I, did I mention that? I don't know. Uh, you may have mentioned may have it. It was, it was going to get brought up because you okay. do mention it in your show. But. Oh, I do. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if it was in our pre-interview if we had already started recording, but um Food photography was very, very different from the type of photography I was doing, and I don't have the equipment for it or anything. So finally, one day I was like, I'm done. But I really liked the people I interacted with. And um, so I, I started a sewing blog after I um, left my career in 2016, and or it was 2017, I guess, when I finally had like enough content to write about because I learned to sew right after I got married. And that's something that at the time, either really old ladies did or really young people were getting into. So like the baby millennials who are now, I guess, considered the geriatric millennials. I don't know. I don't know what the right terminology is. I'm still Gen X, so I'm okay. But um, so there's this like weird, like lack of representation for lack of a better term of, um, people my age who were sewing. And yet all of a sudden you put it online and they came out. Like all of a sudden, like my community of my like age range was found. And I created a really nice little community for myself. The Instagram sewing community is so cool. It's so nice. Like we're part of these global challenges. We have sponsors. Somebody who designs patterns is just as approachable as somebody who's like, what kind of needle do I need? And everybody's just so giving and and gracious with their knowledge. That's been my experience in blogging. And I don't want to lose that. So I still will put up a blog post every once in a while. But mostly, I do like mini blogs in my newsletter. So I, I keep that up at least regularly. And on my website, I keep something called Maker Challenges. It's a list by month of inspirational challenges, really, because we all go through periods of time where we're not necessarily feeling our most creative, right? And sometimes it's good to put some rules and parameters around that. And maker challenges are perfect for that. There's drawing challenges, there's doodling challenges, there's a pattern, a surface pattern design pat, uh, challenge this month, but it's a lot of sewing ones as well, because that's just where my community really is rooted in. Um, and I, I will keep that updated at the very least. So there's yeah. new content on the site for that. That's amazing. You are, it seems like you're very passionate about everything you touch. And that's. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, yes. that's, ad, I like, guess, that's, I think that's admirable. Thank you. I, I don't think I'd ever actually realize that. Yeah, I, I can talk about this stuff forever because I do love it. I do. And I want I know a lot of people who are like, I don't have hobbies and it's, and that to me signals I lack passion. Okay. How can we fix that? And that yeah. may not be true. Like that may not be true for them, but also like, how are you f like nourishing yourself for yourself? And I think that's a lot of a question. A lot of people don't even know to ask themselves. And I'm, I'm here to help you walk through that, yeah. that landmine of emotions that's going to come from that. I am looking forward to listening to episode six of your show. By the way, you mentioned it earlier. I am very much looking forward to that. Um, I do have to say, you just said something that made me think of something else you said. I think episode four, maybe five. 
talking about how um how bad this hyperproductive culture <laughs> uh, that might not have been your phrasing but this hyperproductive culture it wasn't culture but that's a great way to put it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I yeah, something like that. I was so I was driving. Somebody cut me off as I was listening to that. So oh. some anger may have been seeping through. So hyperproductive. <laughs> no, but um, so I'm going to use it because I don't remember what you actually said. But okay. this hyperproductive culture, the the problems with it is people are not as good as they used to be because it's there's no passion. You know, it's just a grind day in and day out because you can't have free time. But you were making good points about having hobbies, having things that help you unwind and stuff like that. And I mean, no, that's just, that's just, it's awesome. You know, again, not a question, just, <laughs> I just, I really just enjoyed your podcast. So I've really enjoyed it so far because it's really, it, it's for everybody. And it's, I hope so. I hope everyone can get something out of it. And Michael, I should really hire you to just be my hype man because do you're it. doing such a great job. <laughs> I can do it. I'll just talk into a microphone for hours to be like, yeah, let's look. No. <laughs> um, you've mentioned photography. So you've been doing photography since you had to like go to a dark room and everything. God, you make it sound like I'm so old, but yes, no, no, no. true. <laughs> I know shockingly little about that. And I, I mean, do you miss having like what got you into yeah. photography initially? And uh, yeah, this is fun. Um, so I graduated high school in 1996, which I know maybe some of your audience wasn't even born yet, but I, the late 90s were an amazing time and I needed an elective to graduate from high school. So oh, cool. I, uh, there was like, I could do like woodworking or metal shop or photography. And two of those were hyper dominated by guys who were not nice. So I was like, well, I don't really want to be in that environment. So I just defaulted to photography and wasn't very good. Like, let's not pretend I was any good at it at the time. But I had fun and, you know, like learning the ratio between your f-stop and your your shutter speed and all these other things. Um, I just – and I, I, I love seeing the world through the eyes of a lens. The problem is that I can't art direct my own photo shoots because then I'll bring the stuff into like the dark room or into Photoshop and I'm like, how did I miss that? I need somebody else's eyes to like direct the scene and I'll shoot it. So I went to college and was a yearbook photographer and got to um, – I, I went to college with a former president's uh, progeny and um, he came to speak and I got to take pictures of that. So that was the most high profile thing I ever shot. And then um, – I ended up transferring back to California and was like, well, I just want to keep taking photo classes. And yeah. so I did. And yes, we had a dark room and the chemical smell of a dark room is just, is delicious. <laughs> so I have a thing for Belgian beers. They're very sour, like wild ales and vinegar is a, is, is, use a, a vinegar solution is used in photography. And I think those two things are like linked together because, you know, our sense of smell is also linked to memory. So I think yeah. there's something in there. And um, so I just, I, I had, you know, photography critiques and we had photography shows. And then I started shooting, like all of my friends were in bands. So I started shooting their shows. And um, I, I ended up graduating from UCLA and had the uh, um, ability to, to intern at the Fowler Museum, which is a his, um, a hit, uh, what's it called? It's a cultural history museum. And so I shot, you know, so I was shooting at night, I was shooting bands on stage. And then in, during the day I was working in a studio space, like no windows, 
<laughs> our own dark room. And I, I loved that so much. And it was such a great time in my life. Like it is impossible for me to separate the photographer Paulette and whoever else Paulette was in that time because my early 20s till about 25, that's who I was. I was a photographer. And it took me a long time to switch over to digital because I was so comfortable in the type of film that I shot and the way that I experimented with film. And I knew exactly how to predict it, even with the uncertainty and the things that can go wrong in a darkroom when you're processing film. So it was such a great time. And I think in one of the episodes, I talk about how like your creative flow, your happy place. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes, we I talk about the happy place and the darkroom is, place, is a place I could disappear for hours and not even notice it, not notice it at all because I loved it so much. But after a while, and this is why I highly recommend against monetizing your hobbies, I didn't have other hobbies. So this is what I did both for fun and for work. And it kind of burnt me out on photography. So I rediscovered it a little bit when I did the food blog and I did that for two or three years. And then finally one day I just, I gave all of my equipment to my brother. To this day, I have, I still have a film camera. I have one digital. It's a very low end uh, Canon. I have one lens for both cameras and that's it. And I, I, in fact, I traded my, my last like pro level camera with my brother cause he takes photography a lot more seriously than I do. And, um, he gave me his little rebel and I, I have never taken it out of the bag. I don't even know where it is right now. <laughs> oh no. It's okay. Um, and for a while after I left my career as a meeting planner, I was like, I guess I can go back to shooting headshots. And my husband was like, you said that in such a way that I don't think that would be healthy for you <laughs> or something to that extent. He didn't use those same words, but I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't want to shoot headshots. <laughs> I'm in LA. There's a trillion headshot photographers. That's like the competition's so high. Why bother? Yeah. Very competitive market to dive back into. Yeah, I understand that for sure. No, that's, I mean, that's amazing. You know, you did mention on your show as well that you'd go entire weekends without seeing the sun, just being mm -hmm. in the, the dark room and everything. And I, that's amazing. I mean, I know you're, you're not into the photography now, but that just speaks on the, the level of passion you bring to the projects that you do now. The sewing, the, the weightlifting, it sounds like you're very passionate about that. Oh Do you God, want to I've missed that so badly. And I think that's why I'm rounding out the show with these, these things. And, um, in tomorrow's, well, by the time this airs, it'll, uh, the season one will be done, but episode 11 drops tomorrow from the day that we are recording this. And I was in the gym last week and I tell this story on the episode and I hate squats. Like, I mean, I don't hate them, but they're not my favorites. I mean, it's not like the level of like baked salmon hate, but <laughs> they're not my favorite. I don't and... love squats either. I understand. <laughs> so I'm in the middle of a squat. I've got two more to go. And all of a sudden a voice in my head starts going, you can do it. Two more. All right, come on. One more. And I just started laughing because I was like, there's my cheering squad. That kicked in right when I needed it. So I tell that story on the episode because one of the three things, one of the three universal lessons is that we all need an, inter an internal cheering squad or a cheering section that overrides the inner critic. And yeah. I, I relate that to a technique that Navy SEALs use. So go listen to that episode to hear about that. But I weightlifting was the one sport and I, I don't compete. So don't, <laughs> I'm not like out there trying to earn medals or anything, but I took up weightlifting um, when I met my husband cause he wanted to get into it. And I was like, 
well, that's that's one less barrier of entry if I go with another dude um, to the <laughs> gym because it always had kind of seemed fascinating. But, you know, they they don't really encourage women to do that or they didn't when I was growing up. And I felt fucking powerful, man. I like I no longer cared what I looked like. It, you know, like women are fed all of this bullshit by society about how we have to be this and look like this. And I have curly hair and I've had curly hair all my life and I always hated it because, you know, straight hair was always in vogue. And I grew up in the 80s when curly hair was the thing and somehow I was taught to hate it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm short. So like I can't like if I put on weight and I have put on a lot of weight during the the lockdowns, but like, you know, it shows so much easier and oh, no, I have to aspire to be this and I'm not that. But in the weight room, it didn't fucking matter because I can lift 200 pounds up off the ground. And I don't know a lot of women that can do that. And I would like to meet more. I sure as hell want to like cheer them on as much as like I enjoy it. Um, but I just it it took away so many of these filters and ideas about what power looks like, what it feels like, what empowerment should be. And it just gave me a new outlook on life. And I love feeling strong. And the last two years in lockdown have been hard because all the gyms closed. Even our gym inside of our condo building closed. And I was like, I was like hip thrust. I was like, one day I was like, I was trying to like do hip thrusts because, you know, I, I, I'm Puerto Rican. I got to work on my ass and I <laughs> got to go for that JLo ass. And I was like, I, I don't have anything heavy enough at home to like lift. And I turned to my husband. I'm like, how much do you weigh? Are you 200 pounds? Are you around 200 pounds? Come sit on me so I can lift you up. And, you know, that lasted a few months before I was like, I just, I can't work out at home anymore. I need a freaking gym. And so they finally reopened this year. It finally felt safe enough to go back outside. So I've been back in the gym for two months and I'm so loving life. How was getting back into the gym life? You know, at first it was a little weird because of, like I've said in the the podcast, the gym is my happy place. And, you know, like I... I call it going to church. Did you watch Game of Thrones by any chance? (laughs) I did watch Game of Thrones. So I call it the Church of the Iron God or the Iron Gods. So, you know, we, we, we worship at the barbell and, um, and then we, we sweat for our gods. We sweat for our gains and, um, (laughs) and, but really it's like meditative. And I think prayer offers that for people. It's a type of meditation. Um, so it's very similar to that. And, the gym is where I found myself. Like I didn't, I knew nothing about weightlifting before I was 35 years old. And I walked into a gym and was only able to, to like lift 25 pounds. And, and, and if you can't, if you first walk into a gym and you can't lift 25 pounds, that does not mean that you are a loser. That's just where I started and, um, and progressed from there. And the nice, the very nice thing about weightlifting is that you can see your gains. You can measure oh, yeah. your gains. And, that is why I've done this series, weightlifting lessons, because it's very easy to see progress, and progress can come very slowly. Like my squat is not nearly as heavy as my deadlift, and but I'm still progressing in both, and that's the whole point—to just get better than you were yesterday, to get stronger than you were yesterday. And you're only competing against yourself in the gym, and, and your last PR, right? You're just building up, but we can celebrate every single little gain. Every single little gain in mastery of form, in um, number of reps, in the amount of weight lifted, the amount of total weight lifted. And 
all of that can translate into personal development of any kind because strength training, weightlifting is just one type of personal development. But all of these gains can also be found in no matter what you're trying to excel at. If you're learning a new sport, you're learning a new job, all of these things, I can trace it through my my meeting planning career. Like I went from not knowing how many gallons of coffee to order if I was going to have you know, a hundred person meeting in the afternoon to being able to manage a 4,000 person conference on my own, not on my own. You never do anything alone. You always have a team, but like I was the head of that team. Yeah. Right. And that's progress, but we don't necessarily take the time in our normal lives to, to recognize that. And that's a problem, but weightlifting about, forces you to. You talk about celebrating small wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that a lot. I, I will say, uh, a lot of what you just said just spoke to me because I uh, I started a new workout uh, regimen about a month, month and a half ago. And like mm-hmm. I can see, I mean, I can see the differences, you know, I feel better. And that newfound confidence, mm-hmm. you know, it's just you're, you don't care what you look like. I remember my first day at this new gym and I was like, ah, I'm gonna look like an idiot doing some of this stuff. But now I still look like an idiot, but I don't <laughs> care. Exactly. Exactly. So. Your external, like the opinions of other people matter less than how you think about yourself, right? Like yes. that's your primary point of departure. And that's how we should all be. That's how children are until we teach them otherwise. And yeah. it's not necessarily um, a direct thing. Like we're not telling kids that you should be aware of what other people think of you. No, it's just they pick it up from social cues and it'd be really nice if we could change that. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I mean, yeah, they, it is definitely uh, it's definitely a learned it's definitely learn to care about what other people think about you. And in the, in the moments that you don't care about what other people think is really how I, how I feel is my, my best moments, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what's your favorite episode of your show so far? <sighs> I refer a lot to episode five uh, about the toilet for your brain. Yes. Um, the journaling, the journaling. I used to think journaling was total bullshit. Like it didn't like, I don't like keeping a diary. And I realized one day that uh, I had a friend who suggested using this one website because I don't like writing. And yeah. I was trying to I was trying to work my way through The Artist's Way, which is a book by Julia Cameron, which teaches you to rediscover your inner artist. And I just, I get hand cramps. I'm old. We start cramping. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I could type. I could type. And she was like, try 750words.com. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is way easier. And I felt better after, you know, I would sit for like 15 minutes. That's about how long it takes to to get to 750 words. And I realized that it was like a real release of of that internal critic, of that voice that was telling me, you know, it was trying to bring me down. And I was like, oh, I, I mean, yeah, you go to the bathroom every morning, right? Like, <laughs> you shit shower and shave every day so you should probably get the crap out of your head too and so that's that's my favorite technique for people it's because I think a lot of us have like a a reluctance to put our thoughts out on paper or to to let those ideas out or to to like to let go of that voice because then what are we going to fill it with? Oh, you can fill it with your hype squad. <laughs> let me tell you, you can fill it with your hype squad. But it's also not just a practice because you have to keep going back to it, but it's something um, that you it is beneficial for you, just like you have to eat your your 
fruits and vegetables every day. <laughs> like you, you should journal every day. And look, I don't do it every day either. You know, like I'm not perfect at these things. But I think that there's a big benefit that people discount because they think they have to journal one way and I give them a bunch of different techniques on how to do that instead. And I, I, I just like the idea of it being a toilet flush for your brain because I think I like it's, the- it's funny and, you know, it, it kind of it, – it breaks the ice on the idea and, and helps people think differently about it. And that's what I want to do. I want people to think differently about all these stories that they've held on to yeah. and, and just kind of have a new perspective on life. I did. I, I very much liked the uh, the way you had it worded uh, and the way you worded it and everything. It, it did. It caught my attention, made me giggle. And then I listened intentively after that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so you obviously put a lot of work into each one of your episodes and throughout your whole season. So how many episodes is your first season going to be? It's 12 total. 12 total. Mm-hmm. How did you like before recording at the beginning? Did you just kind of like roadmap? episode one through 12 or what was no, that process like? For no, you? I'm very free flowing. <laughs> See, I have, I have a Facebook group that anybody is invited to join. It's free. And I, um, I do a weekly training in there every Wednesday morning. And when I first started it last summer, it was uh, a little bit more often, but then I, I realized I, I just can't commit to the same time frame every week because our life, you know, even though we were in lockdown, can get a little chaotic. My husband changed jobs, like his schedule changed. He has to be at standups at 7 a.m. And I'm like, ah, I'm not ready for the world then yet. Um, so, and his meetings sometimes run long. It's like, okay, well, when am I eating breakfast? Am I doing it by myself? Anyway, none of that is important. But I, I would do these trainings and I realized I could refine some of these topics a little bit more. And I would just free flow talk for about 15 minutes. I still do this despite having the podcast. And so what I started doing was taking the transcripts from from those trainings and just polishing them up and decided, okay, well, I I thought this was going to be something I did weekly. I wasn't going to do seasons. And then about halfway through it, so about the point that you're in in the the episode list, I realized that um, this is a lot of work. When you're yes. when you are a solo podcaster who has to not only conceive of the idea, talk the idea, edit the idea, and then market the idea, that is a lot of work, and I'm not sure that I could do that every single week. Um, so I decided, okay, I'll just I'll do twelve. <laughs> so I narrowed down my topics, and this this three part um, arc, I guess, for the end of the the season. So episodes ten, eleven, and twelve will all be about weightlifting. Um, that was just going to be one episode. And I started putting all of the ideas together and just had so much to say that it grew into three. Uh, first, it grew to two, and then it grew into three. And then I was like, okay, well, then that's where I stop. So I have content for future episodes. But what I really want season two to focus on is interviewing other women who you know, fall into the the criteria of my niche. So, you know, child-free Latinas who, you know, like, what's your story? What's your take on this? How How is it for you? Because I know my lived experience and my experience is not necessarily common. Um, so I don't know how many people I can actually relate to with, you know, being child-free and a Latina who speaks just a little bit of Spanish. Um, and not that either of those things are, or any three, any of the three are uncommon, but together they might be. So I want perspectives from other people. You know, I want to know what, what it was like for you. Was it a decision you consciously made? What is it like to, you know, live in two cultures for you? 
And so, so that's where I'm going to concentrate season two. And I think, I think I I have uh, enough contacts to make that happen. So it'll be another 12 episode season. I hope. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, I'm glad you're keeping it consistent. Do you plan on those episodes to be like the same length as season one or? Yeah, maybe a little longer. I think maybe interview episodes will go maybe to half an hour instead of 15 yeah. minutes. Um, and the reason I do that is because how we were talking before we started recording, I, I listen to podcasts in my car and they're, you know, I, I run to get groceries or I'm running errands and they're only, you know, I only have about 15 minutes in the car and I don't really listen to podcasts when I'm just hanging out at home. So... I wanted them to be small and digestible, but also just relevant. And I think that, you know, if I threw in too much jargon or gave too many examples, people would get overwhelmed and they'd get turned off and they would turn it off. And that's the exact opposite reaction I want people to have. I had the exact opposite reaction. I mean, it was very digestible is a good word. Bite size is what I was going to say. Very bite size. Um, Like I was telling you, and we may, I may have said this before we started recording, but I listened to two episodes and one commute. And that felt great. And I actually hung out my car for like three minutes to finish the second episode. <laughs> so like that, that was just a very good, uh, very good timing on each episode. Um, I look forward to your season two. That sounds like it'll be awesome having, you know, just other people on there. You did bring up, you, you reminded me of another question I had for you. <laughs> what is your favorite, your go-to podcast that you listen to? Uh, I have two business podcasts I listen to pretty regularly. Uh, one is called Inbox Besties by Kate Doster. I was actually in her in one of her like um, blogger style masterminds for a little while in 2020 or 2021. Those years all kind of run together, so it's hard to say what happened when. I but understand. Like, <laughs> before I made the pivot to podcasting, and she does a really great monthly episode on what to send to your newsletter, like your subscribers. Like it's kind of a plug and play kind of template. She'll give you a theme and uh, use a couple different examples in different niches. So like if you're a crafter or if you're a food blogger, or if you are also business development, professional development or personal development, um, you know, how to attack that theme. Like this was my biggest risk and my biggest reward or whatever. Um, so that one I listen to pretty regularly. There's another podcasting one that I really like called, um, the mindset of the podcaster, I think is what it's called. It's Tiffany Kane and her partner, Oh man, I butchered that. I should probably look it up so that I can give them the proper shout out. You are um, good. Is it so? It's like a, a podcast that obviously two podcasters make to like help grow your podcast and everything. Yeah, they actually have. A, I should just look it up on my phone. I don't know why I'm googling. They um they have a class. You know, they're trying to get you to buy their product on how to podcast. Yeah. But I actually got um something from them, uh, like a, a, a resource on how to start a podcast. And it was one of the most easy to digest, but also great roadmap for launching a podcast. And I read the whole damn thing a couple of times before I started mine in March. And it was great. So let me find it here. Yeah, of course. That's awesome, though. That sounds great. I'd love if you could like send that over to me. I'd like to take a look at that as well. Why can't I find it? This is I, I have too many podcasts. Oh, Mastering the Podcaster Mindset. That's what it's called with Tiffany Kane and David Sice. Sice? Cool. Sice? Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty cool. I like them. Um, I also really like um, 
my friend who lives in Lyon, France has one called the Terroir Podcast. I can never say that word properly, but it's about wine in Europe, mostly in France. And so she has a food expert and she's the wine expert and they talk about food and wine in France. <laughs> and that's where my husband and I went on our anniversary, or went on our honeymoon. So I just, you know, I like supporting my friend. That sounds amazing. I, uh, my wife and I are planning a trip to France actually next year. So mm -hmm. you're gonna have to send me that one as well. <laughs> so I can know where to go and what to eat and what to drink while oh, I'm down there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's the thing. We ate our way through Europe for 20 days. It was so great. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, what has been your biggest struggle while creating your podcast or while having your podcast? Oh, it's like, you know, how I told you that blogging principles apply to podcasting, right? Like you've got to get your SEO, your keywords, your all this, that, and the other thing. <sighs> the biggest time uh, is marketing. And yes. what's, <laughs> so I've mentioned my brother, my brother has like 12,000 or more followers on uh, one of his Instagram accounts. He makes memes for a living. Well, not for a living. He's actually in social media. Like a pretty fun job. He's in marketing, but he, he started this just for himself. Right. And yeah. it just exploded. And he makes it seem so easy. <laughs> when I'm over here with like my 112 followers, and I'm trying to like get eyes and attention on this and trying to do TikTok and just staying up on trends and marketing and trying to get the meat of the product out and how many people are actually seeing it and fighting algorithms. I it would be the first thing I offload if I could. Um, it wouldn't even be editing, which is the biggest time commitment, right? Just like a 15 minute episode took me six hours <laughs> a couple of weeks to go, a couple of weeks ago to edit. So edit is the is the biggest editing is the biggest thing that goes into my episodes, but marketing is the hardest. I I could not agree more. Um, my only thing that's a little bit more intensive is the research part of mine, the editing. Mm -hmm. And and I'm sure yours has gotten a lot quicker over the time too, but marketing is the, I hate to say the worst, but it is the worst um, because it, the thing about editing and research and all that stuff is it's consistent with time. Mm -hmm. Marketing changes every second of every day and it's, it's just, it never ends. So I understand that completely. And I'm sure everyone who has a podcast, YouTube channel, <laughs> whatever, who's listening to this is like snapping their finger and yeah. like, yep. I see um, you what, all. <laughs> yeah, I see you. You guys are not alone. Uh, what's been your What's been your? If I could speak, what's been your <laughs> biggest success while podcasting? Um, I think this right now, what we're doing, you know, finding, really? yeah, finding a community of other podcasters that I can sit and and not just shoot the shit with, but actually learn from. This. So when I talk about in my. Um, on any, I mentioned it on several episodes about finding your community, finding the people who support you like this. This is what keeps you going because yeah. it's very easy to quit if you don't have outside support. It, you know, if if my husband didn't uh, support me, that would be one thing. But I, I have that at home. So I've got. Um, but when you need like differing perspectives, like, you know, Michael, how do you, how do you market your podcast? Like we're in a discord server together, right? We talk yep. about these things and, and there's no dumb questions and we can all just be like, we can vent, we can, it's, it's like having coworkers because especially for us solitary podcasters, like we work at home alone. <laughs> so yes. you know, we have the water cooler talk and, and that's for me, especially as an extrovert, as a person who needs to connect with other people in order to like, it's like oxygen for me. I, um, 
you know, finding that group of people who we can all grow together. We can all celebrate each other's wins, celebrate the little successes, the big successes. You know, when one of us hits 10 downloads, we're so freaking happy for each other because we know we've all been there and we know what it took to get there. Yeah, when we get 100 I, downloads, I'm about to hit five, 500 this week. And I'm just like, I'm like vibrating with excitement. And I know that there's people who are like, they hit 500 their first, their very first episode out. And that's great for them. But it no, took that's me 12. Amazing. <laughs> so. That is amazing. Way to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I think about how I was successful in my career. And I, you don't build a career in meeting planning, which is hospitality. You know, it's just a sector of hospitality, which is dealing with the public and making them feel at home. You don't do that alone. And I remember I fell backwards into it. Like I just happened to be in the right place at the right time to get an interview for the job that started me on that path. And they took me under their wing and they showed me the ropes and they, they, you know, gave me just enough rope so I wouldn't hang myself to learn how to do these projects. Like, you know, I was hosting a, a, a something for our MBA interns or something. At our, it was a corporate job. And and then, you know, the, the programs grew and then I moved on to other things and it just got bigger and bigger. But I did that with a support system. I joined the local professional association. I, you know, was active through them. I made connections. It's networking. It's that's what it is, you know, and and that's what made me successful at that. So why wouldn't I do the same thing here? Yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's just all it is. You know, being successful in anything when you're dealing with the public or you want somebody to consume something that you're creating or buy your product or whatever. It's networking. You know, people's like, oh, it's all about the marketing. But really, the networking is what gets you to the marketing part of it. So, yeah, yeah I couldn't agree with that more. So, I have a couple more questions. Yeah, let's for keep going. You. This is fun. So, um, let's say we were getting on an elevator together. All right. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Give me that 30 second elevator pitch. Okay. The Maker Muse pot. Wow. Okay. So, I already flubbed it. <laughs> It's okay. I, we haven't pressed the button yet. The doors are still open. You have a second. Okay, wait a second. Let me just read my Twitter bio because that has... Nope, the... nope, 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 nope. On the fly. Okay, fine. That is cheating. <laughs> it is the 10-word nugget though. Okay, so the Maker Muse... Wow. The Maker Muse podcast is an inspirational podcast for child-free Spanglish-speaking Latinas who want to be in creative spaces. And I help them find their bridge to it by cutting through all of the noise that is trapping their creative confidence inside their own heads. I love it. I'll listen to it. Where do I, where do I go? Spotify? No. Uh, <laughs> we are on all the major platforms. Oh, that's funny. Except Pandora, um, because for some reason that takes forever. Yeah, and Apple. I've anyway. Apple that's, took ten days. That was Apple. that was frustrating. I'm I'm done holding my breath on Apple and Amazon at this point. Um, but anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> that was just some behind the scenes yeah, venting just... about podcasting. <laughs> yeah, Apple is uh, love you, Apple. You provide so much, but getting you on, getting on to Apple is an act of Congress in itself. Um, so, what would be like? You, let's say you meet someone on the street who's struggling with creating artwork or just life in general. What's your go-to advice for that person? I don't know that I've ever found myself in that situation. So let's let's make one up in my head right now. Okay. Um, you know, I feel like people put a lot of pressure to make fine art on themselves. And that's not the only type of art. 
you know, if you, anybody can make anything, right? Like we could just make money. We could just make each other laugh and there's value there. There's yeah. a lot of value in being able to bring a smile to someone's face. Um, and we should not discount all of our abilities. So let's start talking about what it is that makes you happy, what it is that makes you feel good to do. And let's start there. Let's find your joy. And then we can take that joy and transfer it onto something else so that you can feel joy with that too. And that's just a secret little technique I just taught you. So there you go. I um, love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think that a lot of it is letting go of our fears and our expectations. And that is hard to do. It's hard. Um, I'm not saying it's easy, but it is the first step. Yeah. That, that's great advice for really anything. I mm -hmm. like it. Mm -hmm. what, is, uh, what is your overall goal for your podcast? How long do you, or you I'm talking, you know, years, a year or two years down the road. What is, what is your goal for the podcast? I want people to listen to the podcast and feel like anything is possible for them. I, you know, I want it to feel, I had a friend tell me that it was like, we're just hanging out talking. That's how it made them feel. And yeah. that was probably one of the highest compliments, but he knows me personally. So, I mean, we have hung out talking. So it was nice that he felt like I, I was... Um, in that same space with him. And that's what I want for everyone. Like I want to be approachable. I want my ideas to be approachable. And I want people to be able to walk away and say, you know what? I think I can do that. I think that I, I, I want them to start thinking differently. So, you know, if I could have like a thousand downloads every episode and people around the world all of a sudden thinking differently and the world's a better place, that would be awesome. But for me personally, there are people in this world I want to work with. And I hope that the podcast allows me a platform to get into those spaces because as a Latina who wants to be in creative spaces, <laughs> I got to make that happen for me too. Um, so, you know, if you had asked me this two years ago, you know, the world looks so different than it does today that it's really hard to say, what will the world look like in two to three years? What will yeah. podcasting look like in two to three years? So I don't want to put too fine a point on it because I feel like there are infinite realities that could happen and the right one is going to be the one I end up on. And, a, and here's a takeaway I want for everyone, regardless if you listen to my podcast or not, that there are two things. One, Failure is not the end of anything. Failure is one stop on the way to success. I read this book by Dan Norris called Creator Hate. It's 104 pages long. It is excellent. And in it, he says, failure is just course correction. Like you have to, like experiments have to fail in order for us to make sure that they're solid, right? Yeah. Okay, that didn't work. Let's try something else. I really wish that people would take that approach more often to other things in their lives. And also, I wrote this book for my niece when she started college two years ago. And it was about the five lessons, or it was six lessons that I wish I had known at her age because I went away to college too and I was completely unprepared for the culture shock. Because like we grew up in Los Angeles. We grew up in a tiny little suburb in Los Angeles. Things are very different in the rest of the world. Um, and I was like, you know, I really wish I hadn't opened that credit card. I really wish that I hadn't let a D in a class that wasn't even in my major, like spiral me out of control and, you know, send me into a deep depression. It's just all of these things that are so crystal clear now. But one of the big things was that decisions are not life sentences, right? Like so often we are afraid of failure and we think that every decision carries the weight of the world of it on it. And the truth is that there are so few decisions that you make that are that serious. 
they're, they're not life sentences. You're not going to, to prison for making this decision. You are not locked in a cell of this decision. You can change your careers. You can change your majors. You can, you know, you can't change like a tattoo on your face, but how often are you making decisions that equate to a tattoo on your face? <laughs> I think that's just like a, like a footnote in it. Decisions are not life sentences, but don't get a face tattoo. <laughs> I mean, do if you want, if that, if that's going to make you, you know, if that's going to take you to where you want to end up, get a face tattoo. I would, I wouldn't do it. You don't seem like the type who would do it, but you know. No plans for a face tattoo. I have one on my arm and uh, I'm okay with that for now. I will say (laughs) if, so the name of this episode is going to be the name of your, the name of your podcast and your name. Okay. If wasn't for that, I would make it the name of the podcast. Decisions are not life sentences. Because yeah. I love that quote. That's a a phenomenal quote. Thank you for thank you for just sharing that. You're welcome. Um, that is one of my favorite, favorite things to tell people because we are so afraid of of making decisions. Like people yeah. have analysis paralysis. And that's that's um unfortunately an emotional response. But you have to remember they're not life sentences. So, I like that. Yeah. So that was the end of the episode, guys. Make sure that you like, subscribe, do the nice stuff for for this show. Uh, Go ahead and send me an email if you want to be on the show, if you have any uh, recommendations or anybody who would want to be on the show at mastermikepodcast at gmail.com. Give me a follow on Twitter at mastermikepod. And yeah, like I said, just do all the nice things and none of the mean things. Paulette, tell them everything. Tell them about your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, everything. I am at the Maker Muse or at themakermuse.co. Twitter wouldn't let me have it. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, <laughs> all of all of the major platforms. I um, all of her stuff will be linked below. Also, yeah. I t- <laughs> wow, I just had mind. like my brain just like <laughs> stopped. I'm sorry. Uh, I was like, what else is there to say? Um, yeah. And then my website is themakermuse.co. Awesome. Well, guys, give her a, all the things I said for me, a follow, a like, a five star, a subscribe. I don't have a TikTok, so I don't know what you do on TikTok, but do the thing that you do on TikTok. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's it. Please stick around for after the uh, music and there's going to be a clip from the Maker Muse podcast. Ooh. Yes. Is it going to be... It's whatever you want. You send it right on over. It'll be at the very end of this. Paulette, thank you again for being on here. And I'd love to have you on again in the future in a couple months, just to kind of where are they now situation. So I'd, I'd love to have you on again. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, Michael. Thank you so much. And that's a burrito. Hola, and welcome to the Maker Muse podcast. I'm Paul Adorado, the Maker Muse. This is an inspirational podcast for all budding artists and creatives, especially those child-free Spanglish-speaking Latinas y Latinas who want to be in creative spaces. We'll dive into what we call art and what's at your creative core. We'll also dig into what causes imposter syndrome for us creative types and how to train your brain to manage that voice of doubt. If you're ready to start exploring your creative side, and trust me, everyone has one, then you're in the right place because everyone is a maker, even you.